You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides daily updates on Florida's response to coronavirus with a particular focus on North Central Florida. In addition to news and important information, From the Front Lines will feature a member of the community who is working to keep the community safe or running during these challenging times. Hello, I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. Here are the most recent COVID-19 numbers from around the state. Alachua County has 95 confirmed positive cases of COVID-19, according to the latest numbers from the State Department of Health. There have been no deaths and 14 people hospitalized as a result of the virus. Positive cases in the North Central Florida region include 58 in Clay County, 33 in Marion County, and 27 in Citrus County. Statewide, there are a little more than 9,000 positive cases of the coronavirus and are reported 144 deaths. The Marion County Health Department is expanding what groups are eligible to be tested for COVID-19. The County Health Department will now test people experiencing symptoms and are over the age of 50 and have diabetes or cardiovascular disease. That's added to groups experiencing symptoms and are either over age 65, healthcare workers, first responders, or recent travelers to all international locations or any domestic locations currently impacted by COVID-19. University of Florida researchers continue to analyze coronavirus tests from people living in the villages. Last week, UF Health and volunteers from the Villages Healthcare Network tested about 2,300 people. University of Florida researchers continue to analyze coronavirus tests from people living in the villages. Last week, UF Health and volunteers from the Villages Healthcare Network tested about 2,300 people. UF Emerging Pathogens Institute Director Glenn Moore says it was interesting that as the week went on, more people were testing positive, especially among those showing no symptoms. We evaluated about 1,400 people who were not having symptoms, and of those, only two were positive. But those positives, again, came at the end of the week. The UF Health team calls the test results encouraging as the case numbers in the community are low, but urges continued caution for the coronavirus and says there could be more community spread. Duke Energy Florida today filed a plan to significantly reduce customers' bills for the May 2020 billing cycle in hopes of providing customers relief during the COVID-19 pandemic. The company is requesting approval from the Florida Public Service Commission to offer immediate assistance during this crisis by giving the annual fuel savings in a single bill. Traditionally, these fuel savings will be refunded over the following year. If approved, a typical residential customer will see a decrease of nearly 21% on May's bill. Commercial and industrial customers will see savings ranging from approximately 20% to 45%. Churches will not be closed under Governor Ron DeSantis' stay-at-home executive order. Under it, people can only go out for groceries, pet food, and other essential activities. DeSantis says the state doesn't have the power to shut down churches. I don't think the the government has the authority to close a church. Um, I'm certainly not going to do that. At the same time, we got with the churches and the synagogues very early and said, um, in in times like this, what you guys are doing, I think, is even more important. Um, But, you know, we ask that you do it in a way that is going to be conducive to this overall mission. DeSantis points to the First Amendment as to why the government can't close religious services. He recommends churchgoers still social distance themselves from others. However, the Catholic Church is among the face not reversing its course on canceling services. Bishop Bill Walk of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, says every diocese in the state has canceled Mass for the foreseeable future. So we had people contacting me right after this saying, okay, so we're going to open again. It looks like the governor said it's okay. However, what he also said at the beginning was, we have to follow the CDC guidelines and the guidelines set by President Trump, which uh, still says that you cannot have a gathering of more than 10 people, that you have to have six feet you know, distance between uh, those 10 people if you do have 10. Watt calls it an extreme challenge to refrain from gathering for mass, but says the limitations are helping Catholics to take hold of their faith in the depths of their hearts while still being able to connect digitally. 
Unemployment claims in Florida are surging as a result of the coronavirus outbreak, and so are frustrations among the newly jobless struggling for weeks to get financial relief. The U.S. Department of Labor reports the number of Floridians filing for unemployment benefits last week tripled from the previous week as the spread of the coronavirus forced more counties and cities to issue stay-at-home orders. Governor DeSantis says he understands the state needs to do more. So we're in a situation where this system is not handling the needs of the people of Florida in an adequate way. Um, And so we need to do more to be able to get relief for the people of Florida. The governor issued an executive order directing the Department of Economic Opportunity and other executive agencies to take necessary actions to improve DEO's reemployment assistance program. Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed wants the federal government to act as quickly as possible to deliver part of a new stimulus package to aid farmers. In a letter to U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue this week, Freed said many of Florida's 47,000 growers are sitting on surpluses of products as restaurants and other establishments have closed because of the novel coronavirus. She feels the agriculture industry needs to remain strong as people still need to eat during the coronavirus pandemic. You want our farmers to succeed. Agriculture is going to be the number one economic driver. You know, now that tourism is basically put to a halt, we've got to support our next economy, which is agriculture. Free says farmers need the federal aid to continue harvesting and assisting local food banks, school meal programs, and other types of distribution programs. The University of Florida and the Gainesville community are working together to create an alternative to N95 masks. The new masks are created using a material normally thrown away after being used to keep surgical tools safe. Now people in the community are sewing away to have thousands ready by the end of the week. WUFT's Josh Williams spoke to the UF researcher, Dr. Bruce Spies, who came up with the idea. Focusing on these masks, tell me, where did the idea for this come from? It was my epiphany about... um almost two weeks ago, it was Thursday, um, so probably 10 days ago, in the middle of the night, I realized that the wrapping material that we um, sterilize our instruments in for surgery is a very impervious wrapping material. And I wondered um, if that might have properties um, that we could use to make masks out of it. It, I, I knew it blocked bacteria, I knew it blocked dust, and I knew it uh, transmitted gases um, because to autoclave, they need the steam to get in and out and it's been used in gas sterilization. So I said, uh, you know, first off, first off, can I breathe through it? So I picked up a piece of it um, on Friday morning, breathed through it and I could breathe through it, although there's some resistance to breathing. I mean, it's not as, it's not as easy as breathing through a piece of cotton. Uh, <clears throat> then I went to the internet and looked up the specifications on the material and lo and behold, the specifications are that it blocks particles down to 0.3 microns, which is the same particle size blockade that the, N- the N95 mask has. And it's made out of the same material, um, polypropylene. Um, so it, it made sense to me that maybe it would work as a cheap um, alternative to an N95 mask. So we went and tested it um, with the what's called fit testing, where they, they spray a saccharin spray around your face, um, a dusting of, um, of microparticles of saccharin. And if the, if the mask doesn't work and the saccharin gets in, you taste the sweet taste. If, it, if the mask does filter it out, you taste nothing. And the, the material itself passed um, that, that test. Um, from there, the following Monday, I went to some of my colleagues and showed them what I discovered and said, you know, perhaps we could um, prototype 
some different designs and people got to work. Um, they got to work taking apart what already exists and said, you know, if we sew something similar to this out of this material, um, will that work? And then within another day or two, we had prototypes. We tested those. Up to 20 different people tested them, um, and those prototypes um, passed in terms of that same mask fit situation. Um, and then we started talking to the hospital administration, the university administration, and, and said sort of, you know, what can we do here? Can we do this? <clears throat> and it, it took off from there. This has had a couple of weeks now, as you said. Have you gained a lot of support for this? Have people reached out to you? I'm getting a thousand emails a day. My, my phone doesn't stop either ringing or texting. Um, yeah, I've, I've been in touch with people all over Europe, all over Canada, um, Australia, Hong Kong, India. Um, various, various groups of those are all making masks. Um, most of them wanna know um, the, obviously the specifications, which are up on our website now. So uh, it's, a, it's a grassroots effort really across the world to try to fill in um, or backfill for the healthcare providers um, something that they can use. I, I should point out that this is not meant to replace an N95 mask or N95 um, respirator, nor is it meant to specifically um, compete with those. Our, our ideal and goal is that clearly the standard surgical masks are not really effective. And so the people in the hospitals right now have either a standard surgical mask or an N95, and they don't have enough N95s. So my thought was to use these, let everybody use them in the, in the hospital in general, whenever you're walking around, uh, they should be an added protection to what the routine surgical mask is. And only if we totally ran out of N95s would we use those, would we use these in a situation wherein we had to care for an active COVID patient. Do you need additional help? creating these masks? Is there any way for regular people to get involved? I think, yeah, I mean, that's what's happened across the entire world is, um, is that communities, hospitals, every group of institutions is finding their own way to do it. Um, we at University of Florida have, I would say, several hundred people working on them right now. The community has 300 people willing to sew and and making them. Um, so there are levels from um, gathering, gathering the recycled um, material to cutting the material to putting packets together for people to sew to those people. And then there's distribution to get them out to the people to sew, bringing it back from the people to sew, ca um, cataloging them in. It, it just, um, it really is a, it's a village of people all working on it. And I think every, I think every community can do it. Um, I think, um, you know, each town, each city can build either out from its hospitals or in from its community government to say, how are we going to organize and do this? Um, it may be that in the next few weeks, major industry in the United States can ratchet up to backfill some of the PPE needs. But my thought as I went into this a week ago was, um, you know, we're in a dire situation where we're, we have little, 
protection and maybe these maybe we can do a cottage industry to help protect ourselves. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Daniela Mora, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, and Melissa Fato. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share from the front lines, please send an email to news at wuft.org. Again, that's news at wuft.org. Join us Monday for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.